So hi everyone, welcome to Lumin Fide, your podcast to help you discover new ideas about the life of a Catholic. This is Malena, and I have with me Carolyn and Mark. And we hope we you are doing good, keeping safe in these difficult times. We are three regular Catholics working to live a better life every day with the guidance of God. We are hoping to share with you different conversations of relevant topics that are challenging for us as Catholics nowadays. How might we be able to live a better life with Catholic fundamentals? We are hoping also to share a positive side of Catholicism and hoping that whoever is listening, you can learn that as Catholics, we also have different perspectives on how to live a Christian life within this contemporary world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Lumen Fide. We're so glad that you're joining us today. We are on episode four. Today, we're going to be reviewing the first two chapters of a book entitled God, What Every Catholic Should Know. That's a series title, The What Every Catholic Should Know. Uh, it's a great series, actually. If you haven't checked it out, do that. Um, I think I the first one I read was on literature. It was fantastic. Um, but today's book was written by Elizabeth Klein, who is Canadian, actually, from Ontario. She now lives in Denver and works as an assistant professor of theology at the Augustan Institute. And this book was published in 2019 by Ignatius Press and the Augustan Institute. So it's quite new. And we just got it through our parish. So we started to tackle the first two chapters. Uh, the Well, <laughs> it's not hard to figure out what the book's about. <laughs> it's about God, the question of who is God. And when I first saw the book, I was very surprised at how thin it was because I thought it was going to be enormous to be able to tackle that topic. But it's a very simple book in that she wants us to be able to know, love, and serve God. Those are the kind of the, the three questions to who is God. And she introduces three major concepts which are developed through the book in each of the chapters. The first being what is the nature of God, um, the second being the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, and the third is the Incarnation. So I think we'll just open it up to general comments if anybody wants to start for our discussion. Melina, pause. <laughs> Melina always has something to say. <laughs> Actually, I always have something to say. No, I, well, maybe I can just start by the, some of the pieces that I highlighted here. Yeah, and we can take start a the quote. conversation. Yeah. So yes, it was a great introduction. And actually, when I first picked up the book, I, I didn't know what to expect. Right. And. I expected something totally different, to be <laughs> honest. And then I'm like, wow, like really, really hit um, the, just hit me in the face if you want to hear it, it, place that analogy in your imagination, just because you believe that you know everything about God. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just realized with this book that I don't know anything about <laughs> God, right? So uh, first of all, it provided a very good uh, background information at the, at the first two chapters for me on understanding the principles and the foundation of God, right? And especially, um, more than anything, the analogy. I really like the analogy that he, they put there and about, or she puts there, about how our relationship with God gets um, 
yes, we go to mass, we might say the rosary, but it, it becomes a habit. We don't really feel it as prayers intend to be. And it made me think about the book of prayer, actually, when I was reading this. More than anything for the analogy of when you get married, for example, that marriage, you need to work on that relationship. Your friends do. You need to work on that relationship. So guess what? God is your friend. You know, he's mm -hmm. your father. He's your brother. He's your divine intervention. He's your everything, right? So it, it just, for me, it was the good set of mind saying, okay, instead of being a one-way relationship, what happens with that really, really relationship when mm -hmm. you really have a going back and forward? Mm -hmm. So I, just to read from some somewhere in the book that I highlighted so many things, you know, I, I have here on the page number two, really, I'm just picking up something here. Thinking about God as a human being at the bottom of the page two, whose power, love, and size have simply been multiplied by a by a very large number is only one example of how we might think about God in a grown head way. Mm -hmm. We might think about God as a nebulous force of goodness and happiness in the world, about who we can say very little in specific terms, right? Or we might think that God is roughly equivalent to the Big Bang, that he is the something that sets the world in motion, but that he remains at a distance. I ideas that we have encountered or that we ourselves have perhaps even entertained to a greater or lesser degree, mm -hmm. right? So it, that for me is, is just bringing up our own our own reasoning sometimes behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, yes, but who is God at the end of the day? What sort of God is this Christian God, right? So we, we tend to spend much time maybe thinking about those details instead of really maybe feeling the presence of God. Hmm. Does that make sense, maybe? Yeah. yeah, that's not how I, you know, I highlighted that little paragraph too uh -huh. on the top of page three, but it was the one sentence you didn't read. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's okay. In these cases, the God of the Bible is a fairy tale and religion has really nothing to do with us or our everyday lives. Just that for what what was highlighted for me was the personalistic element of who God is. We know God through the person of Christ, right? Um, that it, it's present in Catholicism in a way that we don't see in other religions who have maybe prophets. You know, we know God and we meet him every Sunday. So it was interesting that for me, um, yeah, not that nebulous force, but it was really the person of Christ that stood out to me. But I also highlighted that same section. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because that, that section makes me think of you know, back when you're in junior high or in high school and you're looking to date and you see this pretty girl or boy, depending on your orientation. Um, you can develop a myth of mm -hmm. what that person's like, you know, what they're going to say, what they're going to, you know, mm -hmm. how they're going to react, what you're going to do together. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually meet the person and they agree to enter into a relationship with you, they're completely different. Mm -hmm. They're not what you imagined them to be. I think that's what a lot of us have about God is that, oh, he is the old man in the sky that hands out gifts and punishment at, at, at kind of a, capriciously. Mm -hmm. But it's that the relationship and I think that's the the uh, the God of the Bible is a fairy tale. Religion has nothing to do with it. 
that's just it. Is we, we've got this myth, or many of us have this myth idea, and I think a lot of religions promote that. Is that it's the 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 prosperity dogmas or the the preaching? Is that no? The God doesn't hand out gifts. He he wants to be with you. He will give you stuff. Yes, but. Just like you wouldn't get when you give a panhandler something, it's not the same as you give your your brother a, a, a gift. It's 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 different. There's a relationship there. It's different when you're in relationship with someone, right? Because yes. just being with them is a gift in and of itself, right? And it's just like you said, Malena, in that as you build that relationship, you get to know that person. You learn how they need to be loved as well. Now, God is, I mean, God is love, and He doesn't need love in the same way we do, right? But we still need to learn how to how to fall in love with him, even though he loves us perfectly. We're still, you know, taking those steps toward heaven to be able to just be with him, which we'll encounter hopefully in the uh, in the next life. Mm-hmm. I, I think about it too uh, uh, about our also with religion and when we learn our faith, right? Uh, I, I look back also at the moment of. When we don't know God very well, and I don't want to, I'm not criticizing anything about anyone, right? Uh, but we tend to uh, stereotype things. And and one of the biggest stereotypes I, I believe as Catholics that we get is like, oh, you're always living in guilt. And I think what this book has helped me discover, right? Because it's, in some ways it's not guilt, right? What it is, is that relationship with God, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not so much, oh, I did something, oh, you know, like, whatever it is, the guilt part. But it's, it's not that. It's because when you do something bad to your mom and dad, don't you feel bad about it? Or your husband or your wife, don't you feel bad about it, right? So it's not like guilt that, it's guilt, it's guilt because you did something that he's not happy with you about. And you knew and you did it anyway. Exactly, yep. right? So it's not so much about making us feel guilty and the stereotype. It's about because we want to live a better life. Mm-hmm. We want to live at the image of Him. Like yeah. He created us like Him. So, But it's our choice to become that human being, right? Our choices in this life make us that, that person to be like Him. Mm-hmm. To love each other yeah. perfectly. Like who wouldn't want that if given that gift? So it's not so much that, oh, we live in a guilty, you know, perpetuation of time or whatever you want to call it. No, it's not being guilty as Catholics. It's because we know we can do better. Or at least I know I can do better and I can make better choices that they're going to make him happy. Well, it's not making him happier. It's making me happier. I think that's (laughs) what this book is is tapping in. It's not so much about... The, the external is my personal relationship with God. Yes, because God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our prayers, but we need to be with Him. Mm-hmm. And we have to modify. And it's, it's it, I, you know, it's interesting. I had the opportunity to start teaching uh, grade seven catechism classes. And they always say the, the teacher learns more than the students do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm learning, I know very little. And I always think of okay, well, I've got I've got two kids. They're teenagers now, and we talked about how live in perpetual guilt. Well, I don't want my kids to live in perpetual guilt. You know, I want them to to want to spend time with me, want to talk to me, 
And that's just a microcosm of what God must feel for us. And yes, you lay down rules for your kids, but you don't expect them to, you want them to have free will. And I say, I think, I can't remember where I saw it, but it's, you can't hold a gun to somebody's head and say, you, you've got to love me. Because that, that, they might go through the, the, work, the motions and pretend, but they don't love you. And I think this is where the idea that the big guy in the sky that hands out gifts and punishments is it's, it's, it's too simple. And it's, it's not, he, he's not going to hold a gun to our head. So it, it's, yeah. Yeah, and I, I believe that the strip, like the stereotypes that we get into, oh, just what you said, right? Is the ignorance of our knowledge yes. in God. Yeah, our catechesis has not been great for several generations of people. And it's no wonder that we have these wishy-washy, convoluted misconceptions about God. And then, like a fairy tale, it has no application to our daily life because, well, you know, these are fairy t- these aren't real, right? And if God doesn't have a real face and a real meaning, well, of course you're not gonna choose him. No wonder our younger people, we're, we're hemorrhaging people in the Catholic Church, right? It's no wonder that we're losing people because what is, if they don't know who God is, why would they even bother trying to, to fall in love with some big guy, nebulous force in the, cl- in yeah. the sky? I don't want that, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, and it goes back, and I, I know in the in the last episode we did the the review of the chosen, but it goes back to our times and the times of Jesus then, or how we get into these habitual patterns yep. of faith that is not really. It's just like a like a record. Your I voice, feel yep. it. Uh, it's a record. It's a record. It's a record. Check the box. Exactly. Yep. Instead of really feeling that presence right mm-hmm. and I really start enjoying it because for somebody that doesn't know anything about God too it's a yeah. it's an excellent book to start thinking okay what is the really Trinity the mystery of the Trinity mm-hmm. and this is one of the first things that tackles in the first chapter right um, that is the three people or the three persons in one that I believe that there's a lot of conflict with non-believers really trying to say no that's impossible well Hello, that would that wouldn't be a mystery. <laughs> but in some ways it starts tackling the answer. It's like, what does it mean God is three in one? You know, when a Catholic profess a faith in God, mm-hmm. we're not professing a faith in just we're professing the faith in our God, but it's three different entities, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that way. No, there's no three gods, it's just three different faces, I call them. One is the Son, one is the Father, and one is the the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit, right? I always uh, tell my kids uh, a catechism, I teach grade three. So a little bit younger, no, maybe not so difficult maybe to deal with. <laughs> you, you're dealing with different difficulties. But I always uh, mention, you know, we every time that we do the sign of the cross, we remember the Trinity. It's like, how? Okay, give me, show me the sign of the cross. So I, they're always doing them like really weird. And I say, okay, you have to make sure that it's like this. And the three little fingers pointing up. Uh, okay. And they're kind of like, why? I say, well, what do you think the three fingers mean? And, and they're like, I don't know. Well, what are the people like? What is the Trinity? And then I say, well, there's the Father, there's the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So every time that you you even like do the sign of the cross, yes. you're 
you're actually professing that faith on those three faces of God, mm -hmm. right? You believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's important for Catholics to know that we can't walk around in life you know, this attitude of what you believe is okay, what I believe is okay. Like, if we know the truth, then we have to be able to defend that. But I mean, first and foremost, I guess we have to be able to to define it as well. Like, who is God? This is who God is. And by definition, that means that God is not all of these other things that our culture is telling us, oh, it's okay to have, you know, your belief in the flying spaghetti monster and whatever. Yeah. yeah That's no. not how it is. Actually, I was having a, a side topic, but related to this is just about the myth of Santa Claus, for example. Right? And, yes. And I, I remember very well <laughs> the, the myth. I said, I said that. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mark. I, when I was growing up, uh, I actually, well, it, this is a thing, right? It's a Santa Claus, right? But my mom always was very straightforward with me. There's no Santa Claus. <laughs> she she was very, very straightforward. Since I remember since the beginning, it's like, it's baby Jesus that is coming that night. Yep. I say also, oh, I remember asking her, is baby Jesus then giving me the gift to me? She's like, well, not exactly, <laughs> she says to me. <laughs> I'm like, how? Uh, I say, well, it's like we have to celebrate baby Jesus and be, you know, respectful and pray and, you know, be good Christ Catholics, etc. And we need to pray that your dad has a great job all year round so that we can have the Christmas dinner and that you can have gifts. So she didn't really tell me, yes, Jesus was the one. No, you know, not really. It's like we have to ask for these gifts so that there's a good jobs on the table, right? That my dad can able to go and work and have bread on the table as well. So he can buy gifts for us during Christmas, right? So it was- There's a relationship, not just, it's a gumball machine. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I, I think that that play a lot maybe also how I look at faith during Christmas as well, because mm -hmm. it was not just about, oh, what is Santa Claus? I knew Santa Claus really didn't exist, right? But it was baby Jesus. I still had him in my mind, baby Jesus anyways. It took me longer. <laughs> but it, it is that those assumptions and those just to fit in the culture because my kids are going to go to school and they're going to encounter with other people that they believe in Santa Claus. Well, and they, they keep going. I, I, if I ask for all the friends of my family, like our friends even, or people that I work with, why do you have a Christmas tree? Nobody will say why, it's just a tradition, but actually it comes back to a specific tradition for us as Catholics and Jewish people too. You know, so it, there's a lot of, um, like you say, there's the Catholicism or the catechism that maybe we just suffer or what it was that we don't have these fundamentals maybe that the book is trying to go through. Mm -hmm. So to really understand our foundation. Right. right. What she makes plain, I think in her writings, in kind of tackling these misconceptions is that if you believe this, then you need to live your life differently. And that's something that Catholicism, I think, sticks out the most in our present culture, because if you believe in the triune God, then your life is going to be different from everybody else who believes in these, you know, Star Wars, the Force or whatever. <laughs> it, it can't be the same. You can't fit into society in the same way. Your life should be different by definition. I think she did a good job of explaining that. Yeah. You know, and it's one thing that just comes to my mind as you say that. Uh, we, we just reviewed the, the Chosen, and their opening credits, they've got those fish oh, yes. swimming across. 
and I've got the green ones swimming against the current. Huh. And that's what you're saying, is you've got to stand out from the crowd, because mm-hmm. yeah. you can't follow the flow. You've mm-hmm. got to be unique. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we really rely on our Jewish roots, is that they stood out. They, they strongly stood out, mm-hmm. far more than Catholics do now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than we used to, but um, it's, it's very much... Uh, you have to live as you, and maybe that's why people don't like Catholics, is because we say, you know, what, we we we've got a, we've got, a, I would say, a set of rules. It's not a set of rules. We've got a belief, and we want to adhere to that. And we don't say you have to live this way. We invite you to live our way or his way, but we don't compel you. And people don't like that. I think sometimes it just reminds them. Like, you know, when someone's doing something good and you're not, and it reminds you that you're being a bad person. <laughs> I always hate that, even though it's a good, it's a healthy response. Like, you should. I wouldn't know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm a lot more broken. <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on to chapter two. I really like the start of chapter two. She mentions, well, just in the first sentence, the best place to start is the Bible. Also, these chapters yeah. are phenomenally short, which made yes. it <laughs> a lot easier to read through the first chapters. So yes. don't be afraid of the book either. Yeah. It's um, only 132 pages yeah, altogether. It's, yeah, it's crazy. We, uh, I know for our parish, some of us just got new Bibles, and I've been really enjoying reading mine. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually encountering Christ, is there a better place? I mean, there's the Eucharist as well, but is there a better place? To, to meet Christ and to hear his words. Christ is the word. Um, I was happy that she started chapter two with uh, the Bible. <clears throat> yes, and, and especially because it's our history in a lot of ways, right? It's the first book ever published, right? The ever released, etc. right? And, and like you say, I think throughout the years and centuries and, uh, you know, history, we have diluted the information. And going back to Chosen, perfect, well said, that they're digging into the Bible and putting out the Bible pieces that we we read all the time or hear in Mass. So it, just starting in the chapter two with God's name, and exactly it's trying to explain the first time that God's revealed himself to Moses, mm-hmm. right? And, and then seeing the contrast to, from that to Jesus. Right, what a what a different also, and I'm not saying God is perfect, obviously, but it's also His way of evolving as our Creator in some ways, revealing Himself, yeah, at a a greater depth, right? That we can only receive so much, and He knows when it's ready to reveal more. Exactly, right? So you you because He promised to Abraham. Right, uh, and to uh, Noah and to Adam and Eve, etc. Right, but through we needed to go through these these centuries of learning. It's the same as scientific knowledge too. We need to go through through different stages to develop our faith as well. And and at the end of the day, what is the reason that you're here? Well, I think this book starts digging into that. Uh, what is what is your real place here on earth? <laughs> It's funny when I, I was studying for my master's many years ago, and I was joking with my brother one day, saying, "I don't need to know all of C, the programming language C. It's a very complex, and I sort of learned it at the kindergarten level, just to do a, a particular task. And a lot of ways, I think that that's my knowledge about God, 
is now I do need to know all about God, but I'm not going to learn it here. I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can. And you know, they, they say the more you know, the less you know. And I think that's that's very true for me is, is you read through work like this and you go, oh, you got to fit into all the other stuff that you know. Mm-hmm. And there's, the more you know, you, you got to more figure out. And some stuff you have to discard. And that was, uh, I've maybe talked about this before, where uh, my buddy and I, he lives on the West Coast. We, he's um, very non-religious, not almost anti-religious. And we, we, had, we have discussions quite a bit about uh, who God is. And, and he has this uh, spaghetti monster, I call it the Harry Potter approach to, to God. Is that you, you wave your wand and he gives you something. And that's how he thought about God. I said, that's not what God is. And I wish I'd had this at the time. Mm. In fact, I might still send him the book and say, okay, this is what God is. This, this is, can explain it far better than I can. But he's not, he's not a thing. He's love. And everything that stems from that, then you've got to go from that. But as long as you have that Harry Potter approach, you, you, it blocks that out. And you can't mm-hmm. see that. Well, it's like education, right? Education provides you with the knowledge and with more ways to reflect and redefine your life and see different possibilities of your life too. And I think uh, our religious stories in our life reflect that too uh, as well, that for so many years, I don't think, honestly, uh, when the the Bible too, I'm being reading it more and it's just every time you learn something new, something better. One of the things I like about the chapter two is that he explains of the name of the God. I am who I am, right? But he starts uh, getting into I am has... I am has sent me to you, or I am the past, the yesterday, the today, and the forever. But it's all based on our Bible, what our Bible is telling us about our God. And then he, they, she comes, sorry, he, she comes into uh, like the presence of God, that he's everywhere. He, he knows everything. So if we do anything bad, even if we're going to hide it, no, it doesn't work that way. But I really... She emphasized that God is with you at all times. He's never going to leave you alone. And she puts back the reflection of Moses. You know, you're not going to be alone on this. Because Moses is like, who I am? You're not going to be alone. Don't worry about it, right? Just trust me. And he he was there. You know, he was there splitting the the Red Sea. You know, he was there giving the manna from the heaven. You know, yes. So along the way, he gave that wisdom to to Moses. Because I can just picture him being also full of doubts as as the different apostles or disciples. Sorry, disciples of Christ had, right? Um, because he was a regular person, you know, he, he he was brought up as an Egyptian, but no, guess what? You are from an entirely different culture. Your identity has been crushed. He didn't go out in a room and whip or anything. <laughs> he just had to face it and grow for sure. It, it passed years before he, dis- well, before God even sent him back to Egypt. It wasn't even a one, one day after the next one. He was exiled, but he had to pass different years for him to mature, to find some peace in his heart, right? Uh, and how God protected him all along, finding, you know, uh, what's the name of uh, the Midian, 
the wives, Jethro, sorry, Jethro, uh, the Moses' wife's dad, that he was uh, brought in the faith of God, of the Abraham, but at that time. Yep. And he starts learning from him the law of our God as well, right? So he's this guy that wasn't even, he was not even brought up Catholic or like Christian or Jewish or anything like that. He was just totally different culture, lots of yep. gods. And guess what? Divine divine mercy came in and, and made him see. Well, God spoke to him. <laughs> but he said yes also. Yes. That's another one, right? And I guess, uh, you know, I'm very sure in that the chosen one, we're going to find so many instances that people are going to say no. Mm. that they cannot follow Jesus or follow God. And we do it every day in our lives. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, small decisions that we make. Oh, yeah, mañana, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow. I will do yeah. that tomorrow. It's and, too yeah. cold to go to church this morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and why do we say no? Because it, we don't trust God. But here's a God who's revealed his name so that he can be more than just a nebulous force. Someone that we can, like literally a person that we can come to and say, okay, I'm going to entrust my life, my heart, my mind, my soul, everything to you and I will follow you. I, I think it's so amazing that God's given us a name. You know, it's always human beings giving names, making up names for these f fake gods that we've invented. Yeah. And here is God ripping through time and space and saying, no, this is who I am. I am who I am. It's interesting. This was a couple of years ago. There was a Superman movie and the bad guy, I think his name was General Zog or Zod or something. And at one point he says, I am who I am. He's, he's pulling from that cultural uh, foundation. And it's interesting because he is the epitome of being a bad guy. Now, interestingly enough, they have Superman rise up with his, uh, as if he was on a crucifix as sort of a counterpoint to that. <laughs> but that's how, how powerful the, the, the icons we have are. We're just, our, our culture is adopting them for, appropriating them for other, other means. Mm -hmm. But I think that speaks to people's needs saying, we need God. They may not know, uh, again, talking with my friend from the West Coast, is he would talk about, he's the... Stardust, like he's born of stardust or something, and going, you're settling for that? Like God is who made you, not some dust. He made He made the dust. And just we 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 kind of pick and choose. Well, maybe it's a, we we don't know, so we're making up. And this is what you're saying: is that we making up our own our own words, our own our own story, instead of looking at our Bibles and saying, hey. There is more to that. Definitely. And thanks to the, our parish, we had that a membership to a different uh, set of St. Augustine's, you know, uh, collections. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name or not. Okay, formed. <laughs> Just to make sure. But uh, one of the things, I, I noticed my lack of knowledge as well, not only by this book, but when I start taking the different lectures or the uh, studies on the Bible or Mary or, or Paul or, you know, any of the, the uh, Jesus apostles. And, and every time that I, I learn more about, oh my gosh, I think about this and I'm like, how come I don't know this? It's so obvious. <laughs> it's so obvious the relationships from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, the, the, the different covenants, right? The different promises that he yep. made us. But it's, 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 it's like through ca 
catechism. I, I, I came, I grew up in a very Catholic family, my mom and my grandma, and I was very blessed. I was telling the kids the other day, the catechism, you know, we should be so lucky that we were born in a Catholic family because we have a step ahead of everyone else. You know, everyone else has to find their own their own path, right? So this is one step up, right? But what are we doing with it, right? What are we really doing with that, uh, with those fundamentals? So in catechism, uh, now that I'm teaching, I reflect my back when I when I was part of uh, helping my mom in the catechism or when I was part of uh, being a student, we just uh, scratched the surface. Yes. That's what it is. And I, I believe uh, one of the approaches that I took differently, thanks to this book and to the different lectures that we've been having, I'm taking out more of the Bible with the kids. And I say, okay, open and let's pray from this one and let's dis- discuss this one, right? Because that's something that maybe we were not comfortable before doing that or, or we had the Bible, at least in my house, and we had it on display and then you had your little Bible. But I... It was never a habit for us to pick up the Bible and just read a little passage, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe when we were in distress or looking for that hunger. You know, you feel yeah. it. When there's hungry hungerness in your heart, you go out and look for something. When you're drowning, you reach for the, the life raft. Yes, yeah. but it's not a habit that say, okay, there's this TV show that I'm watching all the way through season one to season eight for eight years. But you committed to that for eight years of your life watching this TV show. I'm like, how come you cannot commit to one year of learning more about our Lord, right? Yeah. So I have say I have lived in some ways in the, that darkness, even mm-hmm. as a Catholic. And every time that I read even one small chapter of this, it just goes more in depth, my knowledge and my relationship again with God, right? Because now I can I can talk to him differently. I can see different things for sure. And maybe going back a little bit to the book here, I I like how the chapter two ends. Um, It has there, God, in other words, has a plan for his people and the whole world. But he still acts through a small voice spoken to a frightened man in the wilderness. And she recollects the Moses and the Elijah for sure. But then at the at the end, in the very last sentences, right? In this way, we we can come to appreciate the magnificence of God and yet his nearness to all his creatures. Mm-hmm. So that going back to his all around us, so just a small messages that we lost just yeah, we know them, but they're not right in front of us here in our face to really understand by by me selecting to, you know, <clears throat> maybe be, be lazy and go two blocks to the 7-Eleven in a car instead of actually going on your bike or walking, right? Just a small thing, because at the end of the day, it's pollution that you're gonna put out, your your body is not getting the exercise that it should be. So it's just a small thing that we all can do, respecting our environment too, that sometimes we just take for granted, our animals, you know, and human beings next to us. Because as soon as somebody disagrees on the way we see things, how fast do you jump to make a judgment of those people? Oh, you're wrong. Right? No, don't talk to me. You know, it's, 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 it's a matter of also teaching your own soul and your own uh, person, at least for me, when I read this book, of a different way to approach situations or to be living life as well. 
it's it's interesting when I read this when I read the first two chapters, and this is something I've been struggling with for quite some time, is that it's very easy to read the books, to look at the the curriculum for the catechism class, to talk on an academic level. It's turning it into that relationship that I'm struggling with. Is that mm-hmm. okay? I know a lot about God, but I don't know God as well as I, as I as well as I want to. And that's part of why I'm enjoying this 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 conversation that we're having. We've had over the last several weeks. Is that is it? It gets me out of my head. Gets me out of the books and talking to real people, um, which is hugely valuable. And again. It's that relationship thing. We can't have a relationship with God if we don't have a relationship with his people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you just remind me of something that Bree said uh, with our lecture today in Mass, for example, talking about uh, the differences between Jewish and, you know, and us and why we go to confession, for example. So yeah, no, there's the even even in the exorcism from the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you know, one of the things that they will ask you is, yeah, go to see the Pharisee and that he can see if you're clean of your of your leprosy, yeah. etc. Or, or go and do that, uh, talk to somebody else. Now, and one of the nice things that the priest went over, and I think it was important because not all of us Catholic know the differences of why we go into confession or not, why it's a sacrament. And, and, and he says, and he explained this really nicely, you know, it's not, you know, in the catechism, and he read it to us, it's, it's not like he's, they're forcing you to come and talk to you, but it's part of the healing process. Right, it's yeah. part of you recognizing that you did something wrong. Uh, it's like going to a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever you want, or your like coach, life coach. <laughs> it's, like, it's the same thing, you know. Well, not the same thing, but you're going to the priest, and you're releasing that. You're releasing your frustrations and why you came to that decision point. But you're really trying to repent yourself, and by just saying that aloud and having somebody saying, it's okay, you know, you can do better next time, right? That's helping in the healing process of yourself, and not only of our souls, but also at the same time for the community. Yeah. So I really enjoy that, and then he gets into the differentiation between the 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 mortal scene and the other one that I was in. Thank you. I just I, I know that I know it in Spanish, but not in English. <laughs> what is it in Spanish? Eh, eh, pecado venal. Okay. It's similar. It's Small, just yeah. don't know. No, I don't know how to pronounce it. That's what it is. So, but it was it, it was that I always tell the kids, you know, if you skip, you know, if you go and yell your parents, you go to confess that. And they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You go. You went to communion then on Sunday, yeah. And I said, ah, you shouldn't have gone because you were bad to your parents, and that's part of our, our law. Like if you think back in the Moses law, part of the Ten Commandments, that's part of those moral sins. If you break any of those ones, they're moral sins. So I enjoy the priest reflecting on that and reminding us 
about when we should go and talk to him, mm-hmm. you know, especially those mortal scenes. Yeah, you know, imagine if you have one of those, how heavy are they going to be on your soul? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it, it's a breaking of that relationship, that bond of love between you and God. The venial sins are like a little knife that cuts away at that cord, and the mortal sin is just a slicing completely. We need, I mean, just like you'd go to the doctor for surgery if you tore your ACL, you need to go to the divine physician so that he can repair that cord, right? Imagine a relationship where you never said you were sorry. Yeah. Which of one of one like that? <laughs> it's it's impossible. It would be so damaging. Yep. It's one that we wouldn't be able to sustain. And it's not like God inflicts, you know, he's not sinning against us. It's just our own sin that's built up in us that we need to ask forgiveness for. And now when you say that, I think about also Huh. I want to explain this better. Okay. We we continue in this for us, for the three of us that we're here and that we're trying to become better Catholics, right? How we live in our daily lives. Then I think about, if it, if it is hard for me, <laughs> I think about the people that they don't know God, right? And that they don't have that capability to go and feel redeemed, redeemed for everything that I have done. So, and I start thinking about this also is, is in, what is our role as mm. well? That's where catechesis comes in. Right? I mean, not everyone can be grade three, grade seven catechist, no, but, but are we called to pass that on to the people around us? For sure, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I think it comes back to, I, I think it was in this episode that you mentioned, is uh, our uh, previous one, uh, how comfortable we are mm. to defend our faith mm. or to be talking about our faith. And to do that, we need to know it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and and just thinking about all the things that we have read from that, um, uh, the silence book and then the prayer book and then this book is adding to that little toolkit that you have when you hear little things about it. Hey, I have an answer for that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess our call to action today then would be to go online and look up this book. Uh, It's available through the Catholic Market and uh, the Augustine Institute. You could call them, order it through Amazon, whichever. It's available digitally on uh, Google Play Okay, yep. So it's definitely accessible. Get a copy of it and start reading it. Send us your questions, your comments. We're excited to hear from you as well. Uh, We always accept uh, your messages at Patreon at lumenfide.com com, And uh, I know for our parish, we ordered it through the parish book distribution program. So I think it was like $1.50 a book or something. And they have free shipping to Canada, which is hardly ever the case. So <laughs> we highly recommend it for any of you when, wanting to maybe gift it uh, to your parish during Lent or Christmas, something like that. Excellent book for sure. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to continue reading and discussing the other chapters for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll call it quits for today. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to you joining us for episode five. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.